Um, hopefully the, the echo, echo is gone. gone. I, I think, think that, that would have been, been might have been me, my problem. Uh, I don't know what is happening though. It sounds good. It is still echoing. This is weird. I wonder what that could be. Um, hmm. Well, I guess we'll just have some reverb for a bit with Twitch muted. Oh, is this somebody who's on here who is echoing and talking? I don't know. Um, it's, it's a really, really it's a really uh, small millisecond delay, so it it might be a window in a window or something like that. Is it, uh, yeah, I don't have anything else open like that. So I'm on like the the cloud. But actually, here, let's try this. Is can anybody still hear this? If you are listening to the stream, can you hear what this is? Oh, it's oh, no, yeah, you can not, dude. You can hear it? Echo's gone? All right, you know what it was? It was that I had two different audio sources that were on at the same time. I'm, I'm nice. using it. To... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of Fun Crowd, episode 31. Um, we've got a big, uh, big guest tonight, um, whenever he appears, and we have a bit of news as well. Um, our first announcement, though, is going to be we got a new Patreon tier. Uh, it's a $2 tier, the money launderer tier. So if you visit our Patreon, you too can launder your Bitcoins through us. <laughs> it's not an admission of guilt either. I'm just going to put no. that there. <laughs> See, I originally had done a money launderer role that was just as a joke for like $10,000 a month. But, um, but yeah, now people have been asking for a $2 or a smaller like level of um, support for us because it's just $10 might be a, a bit much for some people. Um, so we thank you to everybody who does support us. It's awesome. Um, I know that we had said that the CLSSP certs would be for people who are $10 or more um, uh, supporters. So if you are a $2 supporter, you will still get a virtual CLSSP and I'll We'll just email you a high-quality one you can print out at home. It won't have the little uh, bells and whistles on it as the real one is, but you can still um, you know, totally. have your, your, yeah, your cert. It'll still be recognized by the governing body. So Yes. <laughs> <laughs> by all governing bodies. Um, yeah, so speaking of CLSSP certs, so they will be shipped out at the beginning of November. Right now we are waiting for everybody's uh, Patreon stuff to come through as well as getting everybody who's uh, going to get one. Uh, I'm just making a list of that. Um, Base64 encoding everybody's uh, username and password. And we'll be, once we get all that sorted out, we will have that sent out pretty soon. So I'm excited to send them out because it's pretty awesome. <laughs> There's been a really good response to our last tweet about it. We got like a thousand likes and, and nobody's saying that we shouldn't do it. So yeah, that's the main one. I can't wait for it to overtake like actual other similarly named certificates that leaks are distinct certs, yes. It's gonna be awesome. Um but yeah, no, we're definitely it, it's been it's been a ride. People have been very excited about it. And I think that it's because it's something that the security community definitely needs. We have a lot of um people who just collect a lot of certs and people who 
you know, assert their knowledge because of it. But this too, you can be that guy on or girl on Twitter and have this in your bio and say, hey, I know what I'm talking about. I have a CLSSP. And then you just... I'm a CLSSP. <laughs> that's how it's pronounced, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you gotta kind of mumble. You gotta let somebody but when somebody asks you that, you have to tell them what what it means if they do discover that it is a CLSSP if and not anything yeah. else. <laughs> so you have to just tell them what what it is, and that's yeah. But you gotta own it though. It's uh, it comes with the territory. You can't be a false, <laughs> and you can just be a a, a LARP or charlatan. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, in other news though, we our extra live stream, which is November third. Uh, we still have a couple of spots open, um, and we I wanted to try to have a meeting on this weekend to try to talk to everybody about what their plans are for it, um, and just go over the guidelines that I'd written up about it, just to keep everybody safe and streaming. Um, so yeah, if you are wanting to get involved in our twenty-four hour charity stream, just let us know. You can DM Thug Crowd or me on Twitter. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I guess we should get into the news. Does anybody have anything else they want to share? The news. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. So, the first one is something that came out today, uh, which has been, took up a, a bit of my afternoon while I was trying to get some stuff done at, at work. Um, but it's definitely... A funny one, um, but it also comes with a bit of other information as well. So libssh um, has a security vulnerability in it that is the SSH2 message user auth request message that is sent during the authentication handshake uh, or initial to initialize the authentication handshake could be overrided by um, giving a user or message user auth success message instead. Um, yeah, so there's yeah, so uh, you know, everybody's kind of been up in arms about it. Uh, we've people have identified different servers that have it. I'd seen that there was uh, like 106, I think, uh, AWS instances that had libssh, um, this vulnerable version on it, and the it was for GitHub Enterprises AMI, like AWS AMI. But GitHub Enterprise had come out with a statement uh, an hour or so ago, saying, or a couple hours ago, saying that there was the way that they use libssh wasn't vulnerable to this. Um, I haven't tested it though, and I'm not planning on it. So wow. I guess I'll just trust them. <laughs> That's an amazing. That's cool. Yeah, but what it would mean though, for especially for stuff like 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 uh GitHub Enterprise, that's pretty uh pretty serious because people pay a premium to have their code bases uh private, especially some of the ones in the GovCloud um instances. Um but the other people that have been spotted having LibSSH, um it seems to be a lot of embedded devices. Some um GPRS modems seem to be using it, or things attached to them at least. GPRS modems? Wow. Yeah, well, it, it, they're not necessarily, they could be just attached to a GPRS modem and tunneling SSH to that. Uh, but the, right. the, there's still like Verizon Wireless and like other like wireless carriers, uh, IP blocks identified having these. That's pretty interesting. And yeah, this like, it, you don't need credentials, it just bypasses it. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so the thing, though, we were talking to uh, Skelsec, which I don't know if he's... Is he in here right now? No. Um, hit enter twice. Wait, what? I said hit enter twice. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, shit. <laughs> Lib- SSH is, is only um, maintained by, like, one person now, I think. Possibly two. And I think that this is probably a time to also discuss the fact that there's a lot of tools like this. LibSSH and you know countless other libraries maintained by very small teams that get very little recognition, or yeah. people actually doing pull requests, you know, for this kind of thing, and actually trying to help them out. And you know, billion dollar companies get built off of these free open source tools that they don't contribute to. And yeah, I just think like a lot of people are saying, like, "Oh, this is just a stupid bug." Like, yeah, it is a stupid bug, but if there's only one or two people working on a project, like how many flawless projects have you come up with? You know, like it's just, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like it's, it, it makes me want to look at some of the, the smaller um, like projects like this and try to see if there is ever a place where I could actually try to help out because it's, it's something that, you know, you, you want to be able to protect people. You want to be able to contribute to security, but the way that you can actually contribute to security besides finding ODs is actually patching stuff like this um, and helping out those small teams that are overworked. And this is a side project and things like that. Yeah, man, my jaw's on the ground. I can't believe there's only a hand, like literally you can count the number of people on your hand that are supporting the entire world for this yeah wow, that's yeah. crazy yeah amazing i mean for like even even smaller like other pro- i mean there's there's so many things we could we could look at for specific you know open source tools that are just used they're everywhere especially things that have been integrated into the kernel thing you know people are are responsible for very specific stuff and they just get used by people who want to use them and you know that obviously is a good thing but you just have to remember too that there's there's a lot of very tiny projects out there that could definitely use your help. So if you did want to, you know, learn how to code better or contribute to this kind of stuff or, you know, actually beef up your GitHub and, and get those job interviews, that is probably a good way to go, I'd say, is by somebody some patch and stuff like this. Like, oh yeah, you know uh you know SSH? Yeah. Uh <laughs> I work on that, you know. <laughs> that would be a solid interview. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, um, so I don't know what the implications of it are going to be, if there's any other big frameworks that happen to use LibSSH, but there's a patch, and that's cool. And shout-outs to the team who worked on it. Um, so yeah, the next uh, news item that we have is the... There's this article about WikiLeaks publishing the... Amazon Atlas. And so I looked at that. I didn't actually download it because I don't want to download anything from WikiLeaks. Um, but especially a DocX. Um, but they <laughs> they published the locations of Amazon's uh, data centers. Um, because the... Oh, no. the yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you guys think about this. Though. They, they, they published this. And they got doxxed. Yeah, Amazon, <laughs> Amazon Docs Cloud. Wow, um, oh. just a new service. But so, yeah, I mean, the, the uh, solid. weren't you saying though that this is 
probably because, or this was because of the CIA contract that Amazon has. Well, you would be led to believe so. Um, I mean, there was a news article uh, a little while back ago about the uh, CIA awarding them, I think it was an $800 million contract to Amazon to host uh, whatever they need for, I guess, the intelligence community. So if you're hosting this data and it's sensitive, uh, you probably wouldn't want the location of where it's being uh, hosted from, uh, you know, public knowledge. So there could be... be, uh, a variety of other implications for wanting to keep this information private, but uh, I think it's just uh, uh, more prudent to <laughs> not make that stuff public. Yeah, that's. Uh, we live in fun times. <laughs> Don't fucking lie to me, Dan. <laughs> no better. The best um, time. Um. Yeah. Oh, so the next news story that we have here, uh, I think, is pretty funny just because of what it is uh the donald daters trump dating app uh was found to be exposing a lot of data about- <laughs> this shit is fucking hilarious it got fucking <laughs> dropped like so yeah. it didn't even take a day <laughs> yeah. oh yeah with the s society on twitter had found basically that i'm trying to pull up the actual chat because it's so funny. Um, All their keys. Twitter is great. Read private messages of the the people, um, which is just like why? <laughs> hey, are you a liberal? Black. Like that's the whole draw to the fucking app. Yeah, it's. Yeah, a, I mean, it it got mm-hmm. dropped on its head immediately. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, you could also find their API keys and stuff like that, uh, and their app ID, like all their private actual keys, or also some of the data that you could pull out of here, which is also interesting as well. So this, I don't know the exact vector that he used to do this, um, but yeah, he he definitely um, was able to pull a lot of stuff. He found there was, he said the longest conversation that was happening on the app was like between the a dev of the app and like some test account like he's able to read everything you know that's awesome yeah that dude does some really good work and uh seeing this just drop freaking radioactive one day after is amazing yeah um i'm trying to find where's the actual thread of this it's <laughs> a lot of twitter I'm looking through right now um he was uh, yeah. he was saying that uh-huh. he was just curious I I was checking in, and he was uh he was saying yeah I was just kind of curious, and then all of a sudden all these news organizations are covering what I just did, <laughs> because he it, it, the security quite predictable quite predictably is not there, so it's just wide open. It took ten minutes probably to yeah not you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's definitely one of those things that you're just, it's face bombing, and the fact that it's something that was created to just segregate people even more so, um, trying to find people who are. Yeah, let's stop being divisive, people. It's, uh, yeah. Divisiveness is not good. <laughs> Trump dating. Yeah, we'll definitely have to put out our own app um, for dating eventually soon, and make well, sure that yeah. a nice API for everybody who wants to. The Thug Club dating app is clearly. 
local bugs in your area want to talk to you. They're point <laughs> five miles away, point zero zero five miles away. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, Zuff, I wanted to ask you about this one too. So this is you had shared another thing about um, PHP. So the next news item that we have is about PHP's um, like version five is going to be end of life in ten weeks. Um, <laughs> so this is I didn't I don't even know because I don't I don't keep up with PHP at all. But this is interesting because of how many websites actually use PHP five still. Uh, yeah, like anything that's stable, especially in Windows world, is running like IIS and probably some version of five. So you have to think about that. And it's really weird. I don't know why people do. I moved to seven like quite a long time ago for stacks. But um, if, you, if you're in like Windows 2016, you can't even install it through like web platform. And that's why I posted the GitHub repo that I did. So you actually yeah, can. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an extension that just allows you to like live switch sites between versions. So it's pretty nice. So you can just test them out real quick and see what happens. But PHP is one of the nastiest things you can maintain. Yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> one of the old methods, if, as it were. But yeah, that's important stuff. So try out your shit and see what works. Move it now. Because, yeah, that's just insane. Do you, do you think it's going to become a, another strut? Like, I kind of feel like it's going to... PHP? Not if someone pays attention, but that's the rough part, too, is, like, what kind of, like, infrastructure engineer full stack is going to look at that? I mean, if they're scanning, yes, but most of that stuff is just front ends anyway. Like, it's stuff that people don't really care about. But, it's... but there's still probably logs in there and shit that you, like, could dig at to exploit a company. Yeah, yeah. It's stuff that is is legacy, and it's just going it, to... It's going to stay there because it works, right? So how much of the community is going to just do that? Yeah, that's the thing, too, is it's built into, like, CMS systems that are, like, easy to use, and a lot of people fucking use them. A lot of people build really stupid shit on top of CMS and don't realize what they're actually running. There's guess, not many companies, I can tell you, in the SMB world at least, that do like phone scanning and active full stack monitoring. So if I was like sixty-two percent, that's a financial motivator for me if I'm a bad guy to say, hey, let's uh let's start looking for some more vulnerabilities in that PHP. Let's do it. <laughs> But that's the importance of like paying attention. To be honest, if you can, there are like a lot of extensions that are browser friendly that you can look at and just see what's exploitable. You can post CVEs based on versions of sites that you're visiting. Yeah. And that's what's that's what's exciting. Like I enjoy that honestly because you see some shit for sure. That's cool. Yeah. No, it's definitely something that people that should pay more attention to, especially like software versioning is like. I don't know. I feel like I, I've been trying for for a while now to just only use Python three, and there's like certain things that I've been trying to just actually not be lazy and you know use and develop stuff in because of exact kind of things. I don't have anything that's written in Python. I guess it's going to be uh, like forward facing, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's always a PHP vuln somewhere that you can leverage. Like Lambda and Python's great though, man. Yeah, yeah. So Lambda and Python, what I do is I just set up a box to like do active scanning like once a week. 
And then I just have scheduled tasks ran. And I just get vulnerability reports emailed to me over an SMTP script. That's sick. So it just takes care of itself. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, the next uh, news item that we have here, um, Shell, you posted this one. This was about PS4 users that are claiming the malicious messages are breaking their console. And so what it seems to be is another uh, encoding error, something that destroys... Oh, Kotaku would not want to sign up. Um, this Basically, like, it's like a, you know, when you, you send the uh, iPhone message with the, the weird Telugu or any other sort of... Uh, so I don't know what the actual message is, but it does crash. Yes. Yeah, people are saying um, that you can fix it by going, it's like signing in online and deleting the message or whatever, or, you know, just blocking messages from people that you don't know in your oh. settings. So wait, there was a Sony uh, thing that went out, I think yesterday, right? That said, uh, change your privacy settings to not public. Didn't they, uh, didn't they put some public uh, statement out? Yeah, I'm sure they did because it seemed like it was getting a lot of traction. And of course, as soon as something like that hits the news, right? Yeah, yeah. It explodes because people find out exactly what to do. But... That's awesome. So do we have the code? Are we going to release it? <laughs> Tweet it out here after the show. I mean, you did team kill me, so, you know, I need it. <laughs> I don't like your name, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah, uh, YouTube is down in case everybody didn't know. Um, I don't know why you'd be watching any other video but this, but it is down. Uh, <laughs> Welcome so, to yeah. the rest of the world. Uh, We're still thanks, up. RQ, thanks, RQU, for this uh conspiracy. New Mirai spread on uh, open or SSH boxes. Take down YouTube. Hell um, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it looks like it's down. Yeah, it's not on all the major places of the internet right now. Um, so, who knows? Wait, what? Um, YouTube's down? Yeah, YouTube is down. Are you fucking shitting me? <laughs> or have you not been looking at chat? What the fuck? <laughs> what did you people do? <laughs> fucking. Oh, Alright, guys, this is a retaliation for them fucking uh, suspending uh, Thug Crowd here. Yep, because of the Don't Thug Crowd fan, exactly. <laughs> Oh, we're taking credit. Please. Wait, no, wait. <laughs> That's amazing. Hell yeah. I didn't um, miss this thing. <laughs> Mama, get done up. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so, yeah. Oh, um, Lame, do you want to talk to us about some the car hacking stuff that you've done recently? This is the end of our new segment. Um before our nice segment. And so I wanted to uh, catch up with you on some of the stuff you did recently with um, Bloodcrap. Yeah, so, um, so pretty much I've been, I've been car hacking for not a long time and uh, I've been taking it super seriously and just like going out, getting random parts and shit and just taking it, putting random stuff together, programming ECUs and just doing a bunch of random shit. Um, so I saw this bug crowd thing and it was like, we need car hackers at the DEF CON event that I had uh, gone to in the car hacking village. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll sign up and it probably won't get in, whatever. And I had like, I think a month or two ago and bug crowd chat, I was like, man, I really hope I get accepted to this. This would be awesome to go to. So, um, you know, sure enough, I'm sure somebody saw it in bug crowd chat. They fly me out 
and uh, I get to bring one of my friends, and we you know we get to see the cars and stuff, and we're like, oh man, this is gonna be so exciting. We're gonna hack the shit out of these. <laughs> so uh, we find this like big, big fucking Vaughn with like not just this car, but like the last five years worth of cars, and it's uh, external to the vehicle and stuff, and pretty much you could just like break into the car, start the car, and possibly drive off with the car and it was, it was really cool the crowd was really excited about it and me and my friends were really hyped and it was uh i think it was my first submission to bug crowd actually too so that's that kind of that's kind of dope and um yeah oh. exactly right <laughs> so red yeah dude it's super fun bug crowd is super nice um yeah man i i've never had that much fun with car hacking so it was, it was a really good time great learning experience met awesome people like uh minty like creates his own hardware for car hacking and it's like less than twenty dollars and I have like this three hundred dollar part that I got from a company for free. So I was a little pissed off by that. But I mean <laughs> now I can like get minty stuff and just make my own shit and just do it for free. So works out. But yeah, that's, that's really that's, cool. Yeah, it was a good time. So you were discussing this now, you've only been doing this for a little bit. Now how did you get started with it and what sort of tools are you using because it, it seems like it, car hacking seems like something that's super intimidating because it's just, it's expensive. There is so much that can go wrong if you do it on your own car. And um, yeah, there's just a lot to it. So do you want to just give a little brief rundown for the people who are listening um, who want to get involved in this kind of stuff? Because this is definitely a territory that needs more, or is always going to need more attention, but something that a lot of people just don't know how to actually get started in. Yeah, so um, I I think like before I went out to this camp called SAE, I uh, actually was looking at the car hacking handbook, which is free online by the way. So if you guys want to read that, um, I'll drop a link in Twitch chat or something later. Great. But um, yeah, like read that book has like a bunch of really cool stuff in it. I think we were talking about in chat earlier that like you can go out to junkyards and just like rip out ECUs, like old ECUs from old cars. Preferably, you want to try to keep it like within the same year, make and model, because if you have different ECUs that are already programmed, then it's kind of harder to program those. So, so just to take one quick step, uh, what what are we talking about price wise? Because a lot of people are on budget and stuff, right? So you go out to a junkyard, you pull a ECU. How much are you looking at? To uh, I mean, depends on like their knowledge of it. I've I've had places like be like yeah five dollars i don't even know what that is and i'm like all right cool like we're done under the table goodbye or it's like eighty dollars because they know what it is and some people like know car parts kind of well good deal man that's awesome yeah like still it's it's not bad and then um you buy this like little tool called a canable but um it's like 25 dollars, and then you could start like reading can messages off your own vehicle um you could start like kind of I, i would just say spamming it like with a bunch of f's like we talked about earlier and you could like watch lights go off. You could watch your windshield wipers go on. <laughs> you could see like a lot of cool things. Um, what actually got me like super excited about it was um, I think a couple years ago before the whole um, falsifying like your admission reports came out, I'd watched a DEFCON talk on uh, car hacking. And it was pretty much like, yeah, you know, you can change your admission reports once somebody connects to uh, your diagnostic OBD2 port and they like try to get any messages from the diagnostic message like arb id and um yeah i think like two years after that like uh volkswagen like gets sued 
and it was like oh this is fucking awesome dude i, I like i want to do stuff like that that looks so cool and it like changed a lot of things about like the way cars are made and stuff and how they have to be like kind of more public about what they do so wow. yeah that's interesting yep and then uh i think minty has some hardware if you guys like want to go out by the boards and stuff and like make your own so i think he said it's like less than 20 dollars. i haven't tried it yet but i used it and he can do it with like bluetooth so he's pretty much able to just like control the car via bluetooth now if he finds like something external to the vehicle which is fucking sick like the first time i've saw it in action so so can you take it through like uh somebody that doesn't have any idea what whatsoever what's going on they're going to a car parts store or a car part uh, junkyard. What uh, what stuff should you look for uh, that's beginner level? Like, like how do you get into it? Well, I, I think the first thing I would do is like, if you have your own car, buy a like buy a K-enable, uh, take like a couple wires, and then plug it into the OBD2, and then just look for like what it's what are, what is like TX and RX pretty much on there, and then find out what's sending messages through that and then maybe just like like play with your car key like lock and unlock the doors that's the easiest one i do and that's the first thing i find on a car because that's like a big attack vector for people is like you lock and unlock your doors and then you'll see like bytes kind of like flood traffic wise on your um on um i guess i should probably also mention the tool set uh it's called contact or uh the hell is it called oh my god what is it contact there's like a there's like a tool repository. I can't remember what it's called. RQ, you know this, and buses can fly. You also know this. Uh, can utils? Yeah, can utils. Thank you. So yeah, pretty much like go on there, uh, look at like what messages are flying through when you like, you know, press lock and unlock on your key fob, and just try to unlock your doors. It's super safe, super easy to do, and it pretty much teaches you everything you need to know. And you're what? What point are you sniffing it? What do you mean? Well, so you're watching these messages, right? Where are you watching them? Uh, you would be watching them through can utils, uh, can dump, and then or can sniffer, and then you'd be using that tool, uh, the canable, and that's pretty much it. It's it's like I know it sounds like it's easy. It's it's really not a complicated thing. I want to like do a live demo, probably for the uh, pod. Or for the what is it the life event thing that we're doing the thug crowd thing? Yeah. Yeah. So if I finish the uh like I I went to the car hacking CTF at DefCon I'm pretty much remaking that once I finish that I'll just show you guys because it's not hard it's it's pretty awesome. Hell yeah, very good. Yeah, that'd be really awesome to see that like actually demoed because a lot of people like I don't know anything about how that actually works. I'm actually not done too much stuff with the can bus, but just seeing the sort of tool set and how you'd actually go about, you know, the same things you do for any other pen tests, like enumeration and, and fuzzing and things like that. Just seeing that on a car would be awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to make like an actual, um, like live display for it too. So like you guys will see like lights flicker on and off and I'll explain like what they all do and stuff. I just got to get fucking working. It's been weird lately. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Yeah, thanks for sharing this info with us because it's something people talk about a lot and people in our Discord ask a lot of questions about it and it's just, yeah, seeing it live would definitely be really um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we um, we had another 
person to talk to, but they are going to reschedule again. Or So we're going to skip over that and go right into our section just called NICE. Um, <laughs> so the, the Pentagon's new weapon systems are vulnerable to cyber attacks a government watchdog group finds. Um, nice. Really just, nice. Yeah. nice. <laughs> One of those things to say nice because it's it's just yeah like we have literally spent so much money on defense systems our entire national budget and it's just not even that secure um i guess people who, had, who are doing these sort of audits had found like you know like easy to get passwords like non-encrypted files and communications and yeah i want to see the actual report i didn't see the full one i just watched the or i saw the story about it but oh yeah <laughs> so um, it's here. I'll post this in the voiceless voice if somebody quickly wants to throw it into the Twitch chat. I'm between three computers right now. Um, but yeah, it's just an audit about um, defense systems and what they actually do. Um, too bad. So, it, it's too bad that that's the momentum. We're still we're still in a place where this shit happens. Yeah, you. Uh, people design, you know, like these billion-dollar systems. They spend billions of dollars on engineering, all this next-level research, and then their password's password for a giant missile <laughs> array. I really, I, I've been back and forth about the uh, IoT law in California, but I really think this law is going to change the course of history for uh, security. It really will. I, I enjoy it. I think it's important to just, you know, it takes zero seconds to code in and be like, oh, hey, by the way, set your own password. Yeah. <laughs> Something up. So the law, the law mandates that it's based on pseudo random uh, machine IDs and stuff like that. Like it, it's not just password one. Which password one is everybody's favorite password, right? But yeah, no, it's it's actually they're they're trying to do the right thing. Yeah, and it's I mean it's one of the few examples of like actual security legislation working, or I guess seems like it might be something that will work. Just have to see how it, you know how it goes, but. Um, it's exciting that stuff like this is actually happening. Yeah, dude, definitely. Yeah, so vehicle spy. Uh, so, uh, lame. What's the vehicle spy? What's uh, what's the story behind that tool? The vehicle spy is like the Windows version of a uh, can sniffer. It's supposed to be like an easy to use tool to like sniff um, can traffic on a car. Okay. And I've I've been using it for a couple of months, and they taught us how to use it at the uh, the event, and it makes like programming, like for cars, kind of easy. But it, this fucking this fucking software has like its shitty ass bugs, and I've contacted the fucking authors of it like four or five times, like, hey, there's an issue with this, and you can't do these things, and to fix it, you do this, right? Like, I don't understand why that is, and they just like refuse to fix it each time I contact them. But they've been out like it's intrepid systems. They've been out to like every car hacking event so far. And wow. I talked to I talked to somebody from there and then like they just don't want to do anything about it. It's weird. Like they're cool. The software works great. It's to an extent, 
but it's on Windows. It runs slow and kind of shitty, and then whatever. Like it's good enough, I guess. This is really cool work. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. Oh yeah, and it's expensive as fuck too. That's also an issue. I don't like that. It's that pisses me off. It's like like uh, buses can fly saying it's literally three thousand to five thousand dollars for the software, and that's bullshit. Wait, for which software? For vehicle spy, for uh, the Intrepid vehicle spy software. Hmm. Interesting. And <laughs> I, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, you know, like. Maybe somebody reverse engineers it and figures out how to bypass a key, just like Ida. But, you know, I don't condone that stuff. You know, it's just, it <laughs> might just happen. Just hey, happen. shut the fuck up. Got a lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, uh, real talk, though. Like, putting putting high price tags on this does nothing to help security. It does nothing. Yeah, it's honestly. Helping anything. Helping that pocketbook. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're going to get dumped. I mean, uh, what? <laughs> We're all characters. Characters. It's fiction. It's fiction. Uh, I want a lawyer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the next one we have on here is uh, Microsoft is joining the... Uh, Open Invention Network that basically like helps uh, like Linux with patent stuff, um, and yeah, it's interesting because there's been a lot of like there's a lot of litigation for stuff like drivers, which I think is like probably one of those boring things to have to be in court about. <laughs> Just talking about device drivers um, and integrating with software and really really esoteric aspects of like you know, Windows kernel API, like, just, yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, so they're apparently joining this, and it's going to help, like, Linux um, integrate more um, and use some of their patents, um, which would be cool if that would make it so that Linux would have better support for certain things, like, say, weird wrappers for things that work on Windows. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. You guys read about that? Or hear about this? Nope. Okay. Well, I'm telling yeah. you about it. Yeah. One of them. One, one of them is actually uh, the license uh, or the patent for the uh, EXFAT file system, which is cool. There's like, I always forget, but there's stuff like that that's that was invented by Microsoft, um, and you know, having to do basic stuff like transferring files on a USB from one, um, you know, operating system to another is a challenge sometimes, and it's. Hopefully there would be some sort of universal drivers that people can just actually pull from instead of having to pay some absorbent license fee just to have your open source project be able to use a USB drive. Um, so yeah, yeah, I enjoy it, and it's uh, it's interesting the steps Microsoft's been taking to be more friendly with with Linux in the past like year or so. Yeah, no, it's um it's pretty cool. I mean, I think that that. You know, I, I actually I was trying to get uh, Bash on Windows on this um, server that I'm streaming from right now, but I couldn't because it's, it's configured weird. But I do like the fact that you can get Bash on Windows and do a good amount of stuff with it. Um, I have talked shit about it before because there's some issues with anything to do with virtualization is out of the question, and some of the 
kernel headers um, for Linux are not available. So it's, it's hard to compile certain software even on there, if, even if it's not available on the package manager there. Um, so yeah, it is kind of a challenge. It's tricky, but it's definitely awesome that you can do that in lieu of having to do everything either through SSH or on the command line on Linux. Yeah. Or on Windows, sorry. Yeah, one day we'll get to a point where uh, Linux will be easy to use. <laughs> yeah. Hell <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, so the next one here in the nice category is, uh, did you guys hear the audio of the SIM hijacker guy? This is like a big story that I, I saw. I didn't actually listen to it because I didn't. I had enough cringe this, this week, so I didn't feel like <laughs> listening to the whole thing. But basically, there there's just a story about um, somebody who had, had sim swapped um, somebody and, and was trying to extort Bitcoin from them, um, and was threatening to shut down their their company. Um, yeah, it's just it's getting getting out of control. I don't understand why there's. There, it's it's as easy as it is to sim swap people. Yeah, it's because com like telcos don't have like any, um, you know, they can just let it happen, right? And yeah, that's why I'm interested to see how some of these lawsuits go from people who lost a shitload of money um, to sim swappers. Now they're you know they're going to use the the justice system to try to uh, get their money back from like T-Mobile or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's exciting because that's you know the only way shit happens is if you like enable um, or like there's legal precedent set that makes it so where they have a financial interest in actually changing these things. Yeah, I mean it. It just it it comes down to the it's the same thing as as the sort of training awareness training that needs to go into certain things like you know people buying. 5,000 gift cards for Best Buy or Amazon, things like that just need to be flagged or at least have some sort of sanity checking on them. The same with something as, as big as swapping your, your phone. I mean, everybody now knows about two-factor authentication, especially people who work in a cell phone store would understand the implications of letting anybody come in without any sort of other verification and just swap phone numbers. It's, it's just something that I don't know. I just don't see why this has not gotten as much attention as it should have. I'm, I'm glad that the story came out, um, but I wish there was also more uh, sort of a push for companies and people who are working at them to just do it. I mean, there's people who are, you know, there who obviously care about security and just need to get those voices out there and heard in the company because otherwise people are just going to continue to just exploit the lazy person who just wants to get off their shift at the Sprint store, Verizon store, wherever, Cricket Wireless, and, uh, you know, use that to do shit like this. Yeah. Yeah, the uh the contractor portion of telcos and selcos, it's it's always gonna be a vulnerability point. Um yeah, relying on yeah. it not a good thing at all. Yeah, well there's the thing not too long ago, right, where there was a variety, like a third party contractor with Verizon who had an exposed like uh EC2 instance or a or bucket or something that leaked a whole bunch of uh, consumer information, and uh, it's like that's I mean that's kind of like the same. It's obviously a bit different, but 
just having yeah, it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely like the, the weakest link for a lot of those things is the customer facing people. Um, they might not have the trainings like that. And I just, yeah. But hopefully you guys uh, hear this and take that to your jobs. Try to educate people when you can. Um, but yeah. Um, all right. Oh, the next one here I thought was just, I put in here because of, I said nice. Um, this is Oracle's uh, critical patch. Um, they are patching 302 volumes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. nice. <laughs> Oh, it's 301, actually, it says. I thought I said 302. I don't know where I read that one. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's, I always think it's funny when, when companies, like, I remember Flash or Adobe did this a while ago. Um, I think we'd reported on it, actually, where they had fixed some absurd in the hundreds amount of bugs in one go. And it's just like, when that happens, you're always just like, wait, what? Like, what did I miss? Like, yeah. those are for somebody to leverage any of these against me at some point like <laughs> yeah it's because like the amount of time it takes to you know even if it's just you know 301 lines of code like single lines of code which it isn't um like they're literally just sitting on these right like yeah like how long have people known about these i don't know every single cve that's in here but i mean i don't know i also don't know all these different softwares but there's like like virtualbox has one in here or or I don't know how many there actually are in VirtualBox, but there's certain things like like that. It's just, there's there's so many widely used things, and people just don't know about that. <laughs> like, what could it have possibly been? But yeah, good stuff. Um, nice. Right. Um, oh yeah, good nice. reads. Uh, so yeah, this other one here I thought was actually really funny too. Um. This was Heathrow Airport's like security, like information about their security was just left on a USB drive somewhere in London, um, and so like somebody somebody had just dropped it, I guess, or they just yeah, people just have USB sticks that just they can carry sensitive information on, um, but yeah, they're just were unencrypted, and there's not really been much training about the security risks of using USBs. I mean, there's also the security risk of picking up a random ass USB off the ground and putting it into your computer. But the, yeah, there's somebody had just dropped a bunch of sensitive information about the airport just out in the open, just left it, and someone found it and reported on it. What the hell? Good old passwords.txt. Right? Great. Did they figure out where it was from or who dropped it? Um, I don't know if they did, and they probably got fired. <laughs> I'm sure, like airports are so good about like having video on at all times. If someone knows exactly where they found it; they could just go over the tape. But yeah, I mean, it, it, the thing is, though, these are like USB drives for like just employees, so it could have just been like somebody had copied a bunch of this info onto it. They needed it for work, and then just dropped it. So I, I feel like you'd have to figure out who had access to that data, and then go from oh, there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, still, it's just like, I don't know. It's something that could happen. I mean, like everybody here, I don't know if you guys have like YubiKeys or, you know, other stuff that you use to transport sensitive info back and forth between places. Like dropping any of those kind of things would be pretty bad for somebody who was trying to target your company or something. But if you're an airport, it's a bit more uh, yeah. of, a, of, a, of a risk because, you know, obviously there's access controls that are very tightly monitored, but 
you have the right cards or codes or whatever you need, um, yeah, you can use those to do some pretty heinous things. Well, yeah, it's like the dude at the uh, Seattle airport who just decided he was going to, you know, hit dude who worked there, you know, albeit, um, but just decided to get in a plane and uh, do a barrel roll and crash into uh, an island. (laughs) I forgot about that guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we were fucking out in Vegas and that shit happened. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's like, yeah. Sky King. Boy. Like, you imagine that's something someone could do with, um, you know, just wearing a high-vis jacket or carrying a ladder, right? <laughs> like, it's like GTA in real life. Nice. Nice. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, so yeah, the next one on here in Goodreads, um, actually, I wanted to skip over the R- Microsoft RCE one. You guys can read that one. This one was interesting to me that there was a, it was how an amateur rap crew stole surveillance tech that tracks almost every American. And so the story behind this is like, I don't even know. It, it's something that just is very, um, I guess you could say like, it's it's something that you would think people would now who are trying to do petty crimes would now actually be more involved in than you see they actually were. Um, so there was this rap group called the Free Bands Gang. And uh, here, links to their like rap video, which is really funny. Um, they just, I don't know, they make a bunch of like ignorant rap music. Um, but they had gotten access to uh, TLO, which is uh, TransUnion's like monitoring, like credit monitoring, like uh, like look up like database stuff. And so they were just using this to like scope out people, um, you know, cause they were, they were doing actual crimes and yeah, they just were accessing this sort of shit for a while and had different access points to it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Just interesting that they were hooked into something as powerful as this. Yeah. They're just paying motherfuckers off to look it up for them. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's saying that they're, yeah, they had multiple different people that were involved in it, but it's just it's interesting to see that they, was, that they would start using those kinds of things as a way to, you know, keep tabs on people who might be spying on them or people who, you know, owe them money for, you know, all the bricks that they didn't pay for. So, yeah, interesting stuff. It's like someone once said, Pimpin' ain't dead, just move to the web. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I always say that, like there's going to be organized crime it's going to be here very soon it's going to figure out that uh the internet is a it's a pretty good place to be as far as you know making money and whatnot absolutely and uh, uh, they figured that out real scary things when you could you know when you have hackers and shooters right like <laughs> those two uh you know that's a lot of leverage yeah i also I mean, played I- watchdogs <laughs> that's that's basically Russia, though, to be honest. I also had uh, I had one good read that I didn't post, or maybe I did post. But it was um, the what's gonna call it, uh, like vending machine thing. Oh, well, you're typing a little too loud. 
<laughs> I got those fancy fucking keyboards. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Fancy. RGB. I got one of those too. <laughs> Same here. Uh, dope. This is so, yeah. Uh, I'm going to type. <laughs> so while we have a little bit of time for uh Politics and Politics Ninja comes and join us. Does anybody have anything they want to share? Any tools? Um actually Zuff, do you want to talk a little bit about your PowerShell framework that you've been working on? Or anybody else who wants to speak? He died. He died. And do we recover the libssh shit earlier or? Yeah, we did a, a little bit, but if you have anything, any other points, um, we basically just said, like, yeah, it sucks. There's a bunch of stuff that's uh, embedded that's connected to it, and there's, like, one or two people that are actually even maintaining this. So if you give a shit about security, you should uh, do some commits. But other than that, <laughs> you find anything cool about uh, LibSSH? Uh, I'm just waiting for the POCs. i got a couple friends that are looking into it, um, writing some code right now, seeing if it works. Yeah, nice. I didn't even realize that. I didn't even know what libssh actually was. I only really ever use like OpenSSH for most of my things. So, do you? Does anyone know actually how to actually use it or what it is? It's just an SSH software, but is it like a is it a library or is it a uh, client as well? <laughs> yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That's a good question. <laughs> That's the thing. There's so much about these kinds of softwares that I have no idea about. And it's only until there's a bug or if I notice it somewhere or if I have to do a test and I, I see there's this is in dpackage or something, I'm like, wait, what the hell is this actually? And then you realize it's some you know huge thing that's just the core of everything. And there's for some reason like a double free or some sort of other sort of bug that somebody has exploited and you yeah. don't really know how to address it. I mean, looking at the uh, looking at the site libssh.org, it looks like they have some some clout <laughs> that maybe uh, we should be afraid of. Oh yeah, what makes you say that? Uh, Dan, really shocked that it's uh, two people that run this. That seems yeah. really bizarre. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of projects that are like that. I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, think about all the projects that are used by even even like us. I mean, like tools that you might use. Like who who maintains like I don't know. I'm trying to think of a tool off the top of my head, and I can't. I just thought of instantly Nmap, but that's I mean, a bigger project. Um, on Lib, I mean, site at the bottom, they literally say that GitHub uses them. <laughs> Yeah, an issue. Yeah, GitHub said they they didn't use it uh, too much on their stuff, so they weren't susceptible to the vulnerability. But but they said they patched anyhow. Oh, they did a public thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, they'd come up with a statement about it because I I looked and there was um, on Shodan there was like a like a little over a hundred um, like AWS instances that were tied to GitHub Enterprise that used this, and I was like, oh, <laughs> some uh, pretty pretty heavy stuff. If that's the case, because GitHub Enterprise is, is expensive as hell, and it's if you're going to be using that, and you just somehow can have this unbeatable uh, remote root 
uh, access to your to your boxes. It's not that cool. I think it's about to be part of a botnet. <laughs> Welcome to the botnet. <laughs> Great to be here. <laughs> Bot crowd. <laughs> Finally, I can relax. <laughs> Need to start a change.org petition to uh, change the term botnet to bot crowd. Botcrowd.com. Yeah, I mean, pretty much any of these, right? Like anything that's that's widespread, which is everything these days, is just going to be botnet. Just a botnet. Yeah, it's all food. Food. Who disappeared? Huh. Um. So I guess yeah. Let's just uh wait still for positive ninja. Um. I guess we'll talk a little bit about uh the CTF stream. So yeah, that's gonna be in what is it a couple weeks now? It's three weeks or so. Um. Less than three weeks. And so, yeah, we are raising money for the Children's of Miracle Network hospitals. Um, <clears throat> they are just children's hospitals that are all over the place. They get supported through donations like this. And they there's a lot of people that actually do this stream, um, which is really cool. They have, like, 24-hour, usually, like, speed running or other sort of gaming marathons. And people use that to raise money. But we are going to be doing our favorite game, which is Hacking Things. And that will be our contribution to this. Um, so everybody here is going to have, for everybody who is participating, will have an hour to do a CTF challenge of their choice as well, or have do a, uh, a talk on a specific technique that they would use during a CTF. You know, maybe there's a, a technique that they are really fond of or a tool or some sort of, you know, method that they, they might use and um, go over how they actually go about doing that. And so um, we're going to just give everybody an hour to sort of do their challenge and you know, see if they get to the end of it or not uh, in that time and also talk to people and we'll have a live chat there the whole time. Um, and so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it because we have a lot of awesome people that are actually going to be involved in this. Um, so weekendhack.in, uh, you can type just weekend. It'll bring up the weekend on Google or DuckDuckGo. Um, but yeah, so we have um, Readme is doing this, Blind Hacker, uh, Buses Can Fly, ZLZ, Pink Panther, DNC, uh, Jin, I believe still, yes, Kaizoku, Ill Will, I believe too, Rob Poners, you have a bunch of people that are here right now actually involved in this, and it's pretty awesome because we, um, we have people that are doing like everything from like, like executable, bind like a, sorry, vulnerable binaries like crack me's um, all the way to like web apps and retired hack the box stuff. So I don't know. I'm pretty excited to see what people come up with because I like watching CTF streams um, a, a bunch. Like I like the blind hackers one. He kind of goes through a bunch of things and a bunch of other people do the same sort of, um, you know, retired hack the box stuff. Cause there's always stuff that I miss or I don't think about when I'm doing like sort of enumeration things just because of the way that I've, grown up doing this and then seeing other people's methodology is really cool to see how they actually approach problems like that. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty I'm pretty excited to see some of those as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, and if you do the car hacking one, that'd be awesome too. 
we don't really, I don't really see anybody who wants to do anything that's embedded um, yet. So that's another huge thing that it's, there's not really that many, but there's certainly like vulnerable firmware images and things like that that are fair game. So if anybody here does want to do anything like this, um, yeah, again, hit us up on Twitter. We can discuss that because it's be really cool. Yeah, and yeah, there's still spots open. So mm -hmm. if you're listening and you hack things. And yeah, um, it's actually um, somebody in the chat. So typing the URL in there, it's going to be streamed on this channel um, for 24 hours. So I'm like, like, I don't know how many people are going to be able to stay up for the full 24 hours, but I will try. Um, I might pass out, and we might have a stream of nothing for <laughs> hours while everybody. Can just I love it. Away. But yeah, <laughs> I've been I've been really apprehensive about uh, dedicating, saying that I'm going to dedicate time to this. But yeah, I, I'm just going to let it. As you said, we're just going to see what happens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's all for a good cause, though. That's the most important part. Alrighty. Um, yeah, Zuff, are you there? Zuff is gone. Zuff. I did want to talk to him a bit about his PowerShell stuff because it was pretty cool. I mean, there's a lot of tools for this sort of thing in Linux, but it, it's, I don't know. I'm always excited to see stuff in, in PowerShell and or batch files, <laughs> uh, any sort of thing to do any uh, Windows security auditing automation because it's, it's, as I was saying before the stream, um, I feel like this, I don't know, like the, the worst when I try to do anything uh, advanced on a Windows box. Although it is cool, it will, when I was um, going through Hack the Box, I was reading a, a bunch of, um, what's it called? Write-ups on vulnerabilities. And I look and one of them was just written by you. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> it was like <laughs> on something like super obscure too. And I was just like, okay, this is really cool. Yeah, I haven't been playing that in a while. I got to get back on that. Yeah, but I it's I think it's just funny when you see like stuff from any sort of exploit suggester or any information on a specific bug that you might be using, and then see that it was written by somebody that you know a long time ago, and you're like, "Well, shit, I should have talked to them about this." <clears throat> yeah, it was funny too because I was going through some stuff and I googled something and I found myself on there too when I was looking some some shit up too. <laughs> yeah how did how long have you you've been doing windows stuff for a long time haven't you <clears throat> yeah i mean probably about like 18 years or so that's really crazy um oh hold on one second yeah, so i'm just reading a little more about that rap crew <laughs> that uh <laughs> That stole surveillance tech that tracks almost every American. Holy crap, that article is insane. I I just have no words. It's stunning. Free bands, gang. 
Yeah, I mean, re like regular people are, uh, or us have been doing it for a while. People got into Lexus Nexus and shit years ago um, and look shit up for, for nothing. It's just these guys just like, fuck it, we'll make some money off it instead of doing it for the fucking lulls. You see certain things to be sort of just for that purpose, be used and, and weaponized to actually harm people and do they're so just like, oh man, you ruined like the fun, the actual fun aspects of hacking. They're just now being used for yes. you know bullshit. Hey, hey welcome Pop Ninja. Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Oh, it's going good. <laughs> We've just been chatting about a bunch of different things. I'm not good with these new uh electro electron apps. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the show, though. Hold on one second. I'm moving over. Um, yeah, no, welcome welcome to our show. I'm um, really excited that you wanted to come and, and chat with us. Uh, you know, we have to do it through Discord, so it's kind of a bit challenging. But, um, yeah, definitely interested in just sort of uh, talking to you about certain things. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I guess, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, like what you do? You know, in general, maybe some stuff you're working on. Um, uh, right now I'm mostly working on uh, work. Trying yeah. to pay bills. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I can't talk too much about what I'm doing there, but uh, can you rewind? Uh, so what's up, dude? Uh, we actually met. Um, but. Uh, a couple of years back, you were doing a really cool talk about some Apple stuff, and actually, it was just mobile. It was Apple and Android stuff. Um, you are a wizard when it comes to that. You're like a god. Uh, can you kind of take us through like what got you interested in it and how it progressed to where it is today? Oh, how I got into it? Yeah. Well, I was 11 years old, I believe. And I saw on television saying Kevin Mitnick finally got arrested after a three-year manhunt. And I was kind of weird at 11 years old. I was like, uh, I kind of want to learn how to do that one day. <laughs> Just in case. That's awesome. <laughs> right on. I didn't even have a computer at that point, honestly. So did... Uh... So you you saw the stuff on the news, which was cool. Um, what was the first thing that you remember hacking or remember subverting security on? Uh, probably my school's website. Oh, yeah? Okay. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> nice. So one thing um, you were teaching us uh, when I was sitting uh listening to your amazing talk was uh was about how you go through registers and how you how you're like brute forcing these uh register addresses and figuring out what they do on broadcom chips and stuff like that can you kind of walk us through like what what even led you to that point um what well, what made you interested in that kind of cool stuff uh which presentation are you talking about i don't know exactly it was like a mobile uh 
Uh, Qualcomm one. I think, yeah, maybe it was Qualcomm, sorry. But yeah, you, like your ability to just go through and just blast away at these uh, issues that are, you're, you're kind of like shooting in the dark almost, right? That was pretty challenging. Yeah. Uh, what led me to that was I was, someone was paying me to look into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good motivator then, right? Right. <laughs> that's awesome um one of the conditions on it was that i'd be allowed to do a presentation on it when i was done so you're cleared to talk about it right like it's all good right that was one of my only conditions i that's would work on it if i could present on it how often have you come into that uh as an issue like has that really become a problem for you um in your uh, not really uh i don't really give too many presentations anymore at least not publicly yeah well your presentations are awesome uh i feel yeah. honored to be uh in the audience of one of them um yeah man uh cut maybe do you have a, a step process that you take in the morning, like when you wake up, what do you do when you think about what you're going to hack today? Take us through that. Oh, uh, man. I usually wake up about, I don't know, 2 a.m., uh, smoke a blunt. And, <laughs> That's awesome. And start drawing on my whiteboard. Interesting. Okay. And then basically try to work off everything on my whiteboard, whiteboard each day. Do you have like, um, do you have it organized in a specific pattern to know which is it like the getting things done pattern on the whiteboard? No, not really. It's just random notes. I scribble down while I'm high. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, write them down so I don't forget. You know. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's important, and it's hard. It's really easy to forget. Yeah. Tons of stuff, right? So, hmm. What's like one of the biggest things that you've you got a breakthrough on, and you were super excited about? You want to maybe talk through how that came about? Uh, I've been doing a lot more virtual reality stuff lately. Yeah? What's up with that? Uh, actually, things are looking pretty good right now. Uh, I was working on a, basically, cleaning out my video game console closet. Grabbed out my old Xbox Connect, a couple of Wiimote controllers. And uh, Oculus Rift DK2 and tried to see if I could put it together in a way where I could actually walk around in a virtual environment. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of cool. It was successful? Oh, yeah. Nice. I wanted to see how long it would take me to integrate all three of them together. But Is there a physics engine uh, attached to it? Oh, no. I wasn't at that point. I was... 
this was purely a proof of concept. I wanted to see how easy it would be and what it could lead to later on. No doubt. No doubt. That's cool. Hey, did you, uh, how long do you make it in the, uh, the VR goggles before you start getting like dizzy? <laughs> uh, on my old one, this was like five years ago. What, what year is it? Uh, 2018. No. Almost 2018. 2018. Uh, okay, yeah. So this was like four years ago, like when DK2 just came out. Nice. Uh, hey, so I I wanted to ask you a, a bit if you can talk about it. But do you bit. have you, you don't have a lot of issues with the uh, like feeling unstable or whatever with the VR? Yeah, there is those issues, but uh, like I said, that was the proof of concept. Um, actually, I needed to search for a different graphics engine to use. I think I found the perfect one. So, uh, a buddy of mine, Bjorn Stalls, he basically created a virtual reality desktop called uh, Safe Spaces. I can send the link if you want. That sounds cool. Pretty awesome. Hell yeah. Nice. Um, so I wanted to ask you this. Uh, a yeah, bit I, did more about a, the... I did a little bit with VR Wait, myself too. Um, yeah. It's it's really yeah. intense. It's it just it's the next level, you know? Like it's definitely gonna be a thing that changes society i think oh yeah uh the future is going to be quite interesting here soon i promise <laughs> uh oh, i can just i can send a link in the chat room right yeah sure hey dan can you hear me yeah i don't think i don't, you can. Think, oh, I don't think he no. dan uh, can you hear you <laughs> dot block wait which what do you mean the game <laughs> This is very strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I guess I'm going to ask a question. Positive Ninja, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, hi. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you like just was talking, uh, Wait, but yeah, on? it's okay. I was Could trying you... to find... <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I wanted to ask so... you... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, can you not hear you talking? I've never. This is a very bizarre problem. He can't hear me talking. He, like he can't hear anybody. I don't think. Yeah. Hey, yo, Dan. Oi, Dan, mate. Yeah, he can't hear us, Con. Okay. Um. <laughs> sorry about this. Um. So yeah, positive ninja. I wanted to ask you Whoa, a question. What's up? Yeah. Um. Who so, can? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to ask the question. <laughs> open jailbreak I wanted to ask you how you got involved in doing iPhone jailbreaking and how what it was like to release the open jailbreak stuff uh, because it, this was one of the things you're, you're really well known for and yeah I just um, have a thousand questions about it because I, I don't really know too much about iPhone stuff but there's quite a lot of information that you have to actually parse to even get to the point where you can do any sort of jailbreaking or rooting of an iPhone because 
it's not open source like Android is. Um, and you can't, you know, just waltz in and use any sort of uh, run-of-the-mill, you know, Linux kernel exploits and modify them for, say, uh, you know, Android. So, yeah, I just wanted to go through or ask you a bit about that. Oh, uh, I kind of stumbled into jailbreaking uh, accidentally. I wanted to help with the iPhone Linux project back in the day, but uh, well, I had no experience with ARM assembly at all. So I just kind of had to learn really quickly. And uh, one of the guys who was trying to help me learn, he mentioned that he was looking for a boot ROM exploit. I was like, hey, I know security. I've been doing that since I was like 11 years old. <laughs> I said, uh, I can help you out if you want. He said, okay, uh, sure, I, I guess. Invited me into Chronic Dev's IRC channel. Uh, about two weeks later, Pod2G found uh, the 24K pwn vulnerability. Which I don't think anyone was actually expecting any of us to find something, but I helped them develop the exploit, and the rest is kind of history. So, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. So, the the people that were involved in it before. Now, this was before the first public jailbreak, right? Or, I mean, sorry, this was after the first public jailbreak. Uh. Yes, this was after. It's about oh iOS two dot three dot Okay. So pretty early on. Okay. Um so yeah, you've done quite a bit of, of actual jailbreaks for different iOS versions. Now just uh, what is the process that goes into this sort of thing? You're you're doing it I mean you're you're going through you know, you're just saying like older exploits and kind of building off of them, but you know they're obviously going to be patching those and, and releasing updates for them. And I guess what is the process like? If for as much as you can talk about, because I don't want to put you in a position where you think you have to just give us all of your secrets or get yourself in trouble, but um, I guess what is the process like for people who are trying to actually do an audit of these kind of things? Because I mean, with Android, you can you can load up like ADB and you can you know, try to break out of certain things. And, and, you know, there's a bunch of different techniques, but with iPhone, I mean, I, I don't know, I wouldn't know what to do with an iPhone to get to a shell on it, you know, or to load anything or sideload anything. Uh, um, honestly, what sort of process, I guess, for discovery? Honestly, there's a couple of new techniques. I guess a lot of people are getting these fancy Chinese serial cables. I still don't have one of those yet, but uh, I'm guessing the process is fairly similar. You just look for a way in, try to get the kernel, patch it, and try to keep it patched. <laughs> yeah. In a nutshell. So, are there any, like, uh, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges that an uh, iPhone or Apple security researcher would have? to actually discovering these sorts of things? Oh, that depends on which researcher it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess for you specifically, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced when you were trying to 
you know, discover, you know, attack vectors or actually implement them? Uh, getting around ASLR can always be annoying. Like, it used to be so much easier to write exploits. Yeah. Now it's a real pain in the ass. Yeah, and I would imagine that they just keep adding more and more features that you would have to then bypass. And you have to, your exploit chains probably get much, much longer for things you have to actually do to even get something to happen. Right. I'd be worried if it wasn't for uh, QWERTY IOUP. Yeah, that kid's a beast. He can pretty much bypasses every single protection mechanism in less than five hours. <laughs> He's a... I've put money on it. <laughs> Absolutely. Unfortunately, oh. no one's ever paid me, though. Wait, what? No, I've what? literally put money on it. Mm. I'm like, he'll get it done within uh, before 9 a.m. He probably will, though. <laughs> right, and he's always back in five hours. It's a good bet. <laughs> but no one ever pays me. For the bed. I don't think anyone else ever takes the bed up. I'm just betting for myself. Well, we have a PH uh, coming up, so maybe we'll send some of that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's a uh, that's cool perspective, though. Yeah, no, that was really cool. Um, so I guess, have you, have you faced any sort of, since you released the open jailbreak like, repository, have you faced any legal issues from Apple? Oh, no. I mean, it's all mostly my code. I honestly rewrote a lot of Apple's code just to avoid any kind of legal issues whatsoever. Uh, And also even rewrote some open source code to avoid licensing issues. That sounds hardcore as fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was very, very careful to avoid that stuff. It's awesome, man. Good job. No, Even really so awesome. far as to add some extra exploits sometimes just to avoid issues. Like an exploit to like go on the file system and grab something off of it and then patch it and then put it back on there just to avoid shipping one of Apple's binaries. That's really interesting. Yeah, because they, they probably have a lot of uh, software patents that are going to be protecting this. So if you were to even extract even binary stuff, you'd probably fall under some sort of licensing issue. But it was an um, open source program. Oh yeah, I'm saying if you were trying to say, I don't know, export an image of, of iOS or something or any sort of binaries specifically, I don't know. I'm just saying that you would it would probably be a challenge because of software patents. Right. Basically because Apple has signed it or at least has a signature in its kernel. Therefore, they can say they have some property rights to it because they've signed it, put their stamp on it. So now, how do you get past those sorts of things? Like, like uh, I guess, like code signing. How do you? How do you? When you look at at say a a bunch of programs that you're trying to interact with, like how do you actually go about reverse engineering it to find out which parts are you know? Or what? Because for something like that, like when it's so black box for, uh, you know, a, a, an embedded kernel like that, I guess what I, I'm just I try to wrap my head around this kind of thing because I just I have no idea where to begin with something like Apple. 
uh, always start mm -hmm. to see if source code is available, in my opinion. Yeah, so just getting source code, scoping it out, seeing what sort of libraries you're using, and depending on, I mean, so do you run into, is there actually a lot of Apple source code that's available for you to, to inspect? Oh, yeah, there's quite a bit. Some they don't even know exist. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> I honestly, I just shared one bug which with Apple uh, last week. It had been there since Mac OS nine. Oh, nice. <laughs> and the researcher said, "I did not know that piece of code even existed." <laughs> yeah. Now I feel like the same 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 as like Windows, where there's a lot of people that have been contributing to it for a very long time, those sorts of things tend to have a certain amount of bloat and technical debt to them that people who are even senior developers might not be aware of. Yeah. Kind of scary, huh? No, definitely. I mean, that's just, you know... And they keep adding we're more talking stuff. About... Yeah. So what sort of... um? So... Hold on a second. That's a... So what sort of other things, I guess, have you been interested in besides just Apple? Um, not to mention uh, Qualcomm and Broadcom chips. Have you been doing a lot of stuff with that? Uh, or anything extra? Not really. Uh, I kept losing my jailbreak every time I tried working on that again. Eventually, I was just like, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. I know, were you, you using those chips, those baseband chips, as an actual, like, attack vector? Or are you hitting those to, to assist jailbreaks? Uh, it could be, possibly. I know it's a vector that has not been explored too much. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple different ones, other embedded stuff, like uh, uh, the 3DS and libctru stuff, all those, uh, what's it called? ways of, of loading, uh, I guess, custom images were through peripheral chips like that. So I wasn't sure if that was, that'd be interesting if that was something that you used. Uh, uh, no. Everything on the uh, Qualcomm chip is all stored on the file system and it's sent and loaded every single boot. Okay. So can't really hide any firmware or modify anything on there, if that's what yeah, you're yeah. saying. Yeah, no, I was just wondering, I guess, what the significance of that specific one was or if it was a standalone project. Oh, I was just trying to buzz. It could lead to some cellular carrier unlocks and stuff like that, which was what I was being hired to work on. Oh, that's cool. Oh, we have a question from the chat here. Uh, what do you think is the most poorly designed aspect of iOS? And what changes would you make to it? Uh, are we talking about UI, UX, or? Uh, I mean, I would I would say it's a general as a general thing. I don't. Uh, there's no clarification on that. Russian cowboy elite. If you want to clarify, feel free. Uh, in general, he says. In general, so not a security question. Um, I mean, I, I guess it could be a security question, or I was thinking I mean, security related. Honestly, I want to hear that. That'd be cool. Yeah, okay, so on an OS level, what do you think is the most poorly designed aspect of iOS? Uh, 
See, probably config D. Config D. Now, what is that? It's the thing that keeps all your preferences. Okay. And that's like the biggest area? Well, it runs as root. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> oh, and it was written by an idiot, so. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, so is there anything that you would change um, that you would want to, I guess, push into Apple's code? You're talking about writing and rewriting code, like Apple's code specifically for yourself, but is there anything that you would like to contribute or have you ever contributed stuff to Apple's code base? No, I would love to uh, submit some feature patches, one to give me arbitrary you know, code execution. Remotely. <laughs> so okay, you're gonna push in some. Uh, you're gonna push some. I don't think they'll let me commit anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> That's good, man. Hell yeah. Um. So yeah, you've also you were discussing um when we were first chatting about some of the other things you are involved in, like uh like SDR and, and, and radio stuff. Like, do you have any projects that you've been doing lately that have to do with that? Because we have a, quite a bit of radio people in this chat right now. Uh, well, I got my general class ham license finally. Hell yeah. I need to put my antenna back up. I took it down when Hurricane Michael came through. Oh, okay. It's probably a good thing I Um yeah, I mean that's that's really cool. Have you what have you been doing with your license, I guess, or what have, what have your intentions been for it? I was just trying to study LTE, GSM, GPRS. You found anything really crazy or interesting in any of those? Oh, I mean SDR is fascinating. It's Definitely one of the greatest inventions in the past 20 years. I'd agree. Yeah. If, if you're not into radio yet, I definitely suggest getting into ham radio. Or like a hack RF and Edis and all that. Right. I have uh, uh, four USRPs. Nice. What's I don't know what I'm going to use all these for. What's up? <laughs> you're working on right now? If you can talk about it. Uh, just a side project I've been working on oh, building a drone and trying to stick an SDR on there. Sweet. And what's uh, what what does that entail? Oh, uh, it entails a bunch of broken SDRs. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Honestly, I really need to learn how to fly better. <laughs> Is it really hard? Is it hard? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. This uh hard calibrating it really. <laughs> do you do the uh programmed uh via GPS uh 
go to point A, B, C, and return? Or do you do other uh, types of flights? I've tried Arduino Copter and uh, uh, what's the other one called? And NASA 32. But I think I need a higher generation uh, controller soon. Might be the only way I'm not going to keep crashing. Yeah. So what are you what are you planning? I guess doing with a, a SDR armed drone. Uh, I just want to see the I guess RF spectrum in virtual reality. Oh damn, that's really oh, that'd cool! Be fucking awesome, actually. <laughs> just fly around in like a drone in virtual reality. Wow. That's like, that's like literally like it's like I don't even know like a Gundam or something. It's like <laughs> I can upload a video someplace. Yeah, you can throw in um in Voiceless Voice if you have a link to it or I don't know whatever mm. you want to do. That'd be cool. Let's see. Yeah, I definitely wanted to get involved in eight megabytes. Ah. Oh no, that's the what? limit. How big is it? Uh, it's like getting full. Eighteen megabytes. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, mega, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely interested in seeing that kind of stuff because there's there's a lot of people who do really interesting drone stuff that I've I've followed but I, it's like one of those things where i i want to buy a drone but i don't necessarily want to like i know that i'll just screw it up somehow especially if i mount expensive hardware onto it oh yeah. that's why you gotta build your own yeah there's cheaper ones but yeah i feel you on that like it it just seems so easy to crash them i mean if you go out and buy a thousand dollar drone uh then yes, be very careful. But if you can build a drone for two hundred dollars, and if you break it, you can buy parts for like twenty bucks. It's really not that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. When you get down the twenty dollar part, that's good. Okay, let's see. Copy. I hope this is the right one. So. Nice. Oh, cool. for dropping that, man. Put that in uh, Twitch chat, too. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'll take a look at this. <laughs> we all get owned. <laughs> what, what do you think uh, What do you think is going to happen in five years from now? Like, where's, where's everything going five years from now? God, what year is it? 2018. What year is it? Yeah, I'm oh, getting you have, you have motion tracking on this drone? Sorry. Uh, no, it's uh, just being controlled by the accelerometer in the... Oh. Holy shit. I was like, what is this looking at? But it's still so sick. It's like a little... Yeah, you know, it's cool. You can put it in there. Wow. 
Hold on. Before we go on anything else, you built this? Put it in yeah. the you, you built this drone. Now, how? <laughs> this is the coolest thing I've seen in a while. Uh, it was just a Raspberry Pi uh, on there, on one of the rails. And then it, the uh, DK2 is attached to another Raspberry Pi. So it's sending basically the orientation of the DK2 to the uh, drone. So it can look around. That's really cool. I'm actually going to put this on the, on the stream. Uh, trying to download it first, though. You never disappoint, man. Whenever you drop shit, it's always <laughs> This is <So>, awesome. <laughs> have you made these schematics uh, public at all? Oh, no. <laughs> of course. Just, right on, man. Don't do it if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. projects. I mean, still working on the VR stuff. Yeah, I, so how do you integrate it with VR? Like, uh, I'm, I've always been interested in doing anything with VR, but I've not ever actually done that. You just put the same picture side by side, basically. Wait, yeah, but like I guess as far as integrating with like the Oculus and things like that, is that what you're using? Yeah, that was uh, the Oculus. So, I guess what sort of how do you actually get involved in doing that? Because when I I tried to download the Oculus uh, um, SDK and I had no idea where to start when it came out. I was like, uh, (laughs) you know. Um, I guess, how do you, what sort of tools, or you know, I guess you use those tools, but like, what sort of libraries and things do you use to actually integrate with hardware like that? Honestly, I just ripped off the Oculus uh, SDK demo for my test with Xbox Connect. Um, really? That's wow. really cool. The reason why I haven't published that, oh, and because there's a lot of, uh, copywritten Star Wars uh, meshes and stuff. Just trying to simulate working on the Millennium Falcon deck. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. So, so you're yeah, telling us you have a drone with an SDR on it and a virtual reality, an Oculus-controlled camera that looks like a little battle droid like from Star Wars <laughs> that you're using to Fly around and explore the R spectrum in virtual reality. Well, that's the end goal. But <laughs> to take. Wow. That's really fucking cool, dude. I gotta say, that's like it's just. I don't even know the little like. Did you fab this whole thing too? Like all the the what the gold parts and everything. Was that like a like a board or what is that? Uh, gold parts. Oh yeah, uh, the circuitry runs through there. Okay, so that is that is a board, like an actual PCB? Right, and okay. basically each one of the motors is kind of a, it soldered onto there and it acts as a bus between them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's really, it looks like so badass, you don't even like, think, it's like, when I solder shit like that, it's like a huge mess of wires. It's like so elegant looking. <laughs> Damn. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. So You can see some of the earlier prototypes if you want, they they were misses, a couple fires, you know. That's sick. Don't be scared to catch stuff on fire, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, the view, I don't even know where to begin with this one. This is really cool. I'm trying to. What are you using to uh, do the communication channel? I'm just curious. Bluetooth? Wi-Fi? Communications channel? Yeah. For the video or? Uh, between the VR set and the um, the gimbal on the uh, yeah, it's a Wi-Fi, a frameless Wi-Fi. So just monitor mode and uh, injection mode. Oh, that's interesting. So wait, it's not actually traditional TCP/IP. It's it's wireless uh, Wi-Fi frames. Right, that way, get over all the uh, drop packets. Since that is rad, that is really cool. Did you uh, build off that, or what's the um? Do, do you have a project link for that? No, it's just in my private pictures folder. Oh, cool! Right on. All right, but yeah, I've been working on a couple different things. Hmm. Oh yeah, I can probably send the uh, link to the DR guy stuff. Uh, finally got this guy hired at my work now, so I expect progress to take off quite a bit. He's <laughs> basically getting paid to work on it now. Oh, I was muted. Amazing. Uh, let's see. Which chat app? Okay. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. So this is what you were talking about before. This, okay. You know what is really funny? This is something that I was thinking about for a while as far as having just a shitload of terminals in Oculus. That was the reason why I wanted to get an Oculus Rift. Um, was because I wanted to just create a um, like a way to do this, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, if only the resolution didn't suck ass. Yeah, right? I was like, okay, how can I zoom? That would be like the main thing <laughs> to be able to actually make this work. Um, so, yeah, I guess, do you want to talk a little bit about how you create something like this? Oh, um, I didn't create this is uh, oh, pretty goes to uh, my new boss, Bjorn. Oh, okay. But uh, he also made some stuff on dynamic binary visualization, which okay. I saw and was quite amazed by. And I really wanted to try and get that inside of virtual reality. So after he got done with his five year roadmap, he stuck to it perfectly even by working by himself. Uh, he decided to finally jump into the VR stuff. So, That's sick. Now, would you use... Wait, so when you're talking about like visualization of binaries, are you talking about executable binaries? Yes, yeah, so I'm talking about any kind of binary, including live system memory. That's so cool. Yeah, it's like just being able to reverse something and be able to see how it works as if it was a physical device pretty much you could look at, you know? Because you can do only so much with, like, IDA or Radari 2 or whatever you want, and 
see what something is doing, but being able to have this sort of dashboard that's endlessly scrolling in, in all directions would be really cool to see. You mean like a zoomable user interface, Zoo? Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Here's the uh, video of his 3D stuff. This oh is what God. actually got me. <laughs> this actually exists. This is what got me interested in his work. Oh, YouTube is back. Awesome. <laughs> I was just wondering. Oh. Okay, so this is this is cool. So this is like entropy graph or entropy stuff, or is this? Yeah, there's entropy graphs in there. Yeah, I was just kind of skipping around here. Oh, I see. Okay, cool. Whoa. So, all right. Hold on, I'm gonna make sure I post this in. Instagrams. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna throw this into Twitch real quick. You can just play the play on Twitch. No, this is really cool. Interesting concept. I wanted to see that in virtual reality. Yeah. No, because it's just everything is just here that you would want and just kind of being able to dynamically pull it up when you need to say, you know, I don't know, look at a bunch of just anything in here. And then I, I the challenge of, of this is being able to compare side by side like certain aspects of things like on the fly like that. Right. Then I saw his uh, graphics engine he had created for it, and it was absolutely the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> so yeah, no, this is really awesome. It's like a lot of like nice scaling. It's like really smooth. Yeah, he puts a lot of work into polishing things up. Now, how does this run now? How how does this being like where is this running in when this video was created? It's basically running as a, a Windows manager inside okay. of Linux. So it's yep. If you black box or open box, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's basically wow. all scripted using Lewis scripting language. So. Really? Yeah, very wow. simple scripting language. This is really cool. I'm going to check out this uh, wiki here and see more information. Because, yeah, this is awesome. Now, this is open source, it seems. Uh, yes, it's all open source. Um, the graphics engine is called Arcan. Arcan-fe.org. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> no, this is awesome. This is like really awesome. Have you used any of this sort of stuff to find bugs in any code that you're or anything that you've been working on? Not yet, but I still has high I still have high hopes for it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. So how did you get involved in, in like I guess reversing? What was like some of the first things that you you did as far as binary things? Because this is for bits people have a lot of questions about actually doing this sort of stuff. I mean, in our Discord, especially, like people will ask, you know, oh, hey, how do I get started, you know, doing any sort of binary reverse engineering? And I don't know, I guess you're definitely a really awesome person to ask about this. Uh, well, I started learning assembly when I was like 15 years old. I just mm -hmm. bought a book. 
Do you know what book that was? Yeah, I can probably find it. Uh, what was it called? Uh, I'm sure I'll think of it in a second. But no, it's okay. It's like Introduction to Assembly Language or something like that. And you got started on x86? Uh, yeah, it was 16-bit x86. Oh, wow. So you were programming on, like, DOS stuff? Yeah, it was a very beginner's book, so they took you through a much more simpler language, yeah. I guess. But in the okay. end, they introduced you to 32-bit and stuff. But oh, it was cool. mostly just about learning how stacks work, how heaps work, like how the lower levels, the uh, internals of the computers actually function together. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really awesome. Now, were you, what time frame is this? Uh, you mean like what year? Yeah. Cool. Of uh, 2000. Okay. <laughs> yeah, about 2000. Yeah, it was about 2000. I was about 15, 16 years old. Cool, cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was start bringing up like Masm and shit. I wasn't sure if we were using um, the code. Yeah, it's pretty cool though. Yeah. We had a substitute teacher one day who was a IT guy. He saw me reading it. And he was like, "Okay, you're smarter than me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely, it's pretty intimidating to try to learn that kind of stuff, and that's why a lot of people just when they see, you know, proper like binary exploits, proper like, you know cool shit basically that you that you presented you know that they just get mystified by because it's so esoteric for a lot of people even people who are even experienced in assembly and reversing still get baffled by this kind of shit like especially pulling apart like black box kernel stuff like is is very very challenging um so yeah were you doing before you did the uh the jailbreaking stuff were you doing any sort of um like kernel hacking or exploit dev shit before that? Actually, I was digging into video game engine programming. <laughs> so this stuff's kind of a loop back around. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Have you, so you were creating those kinds of things from scratch or building off of existing ones? Uh, yeah, using like Ogre for graphics engine. Uh, Let's see, OIS for input engine. Uh, forget what I was using for the physics engine, but you know, just kind of piecing together all the different parts, making it scriptable, so you can actually yeah. make a video game. So now, for that kind of thing specifically, do you? How do you think it's changed for people who are trying to make those kinds of? They're getting involved in doing that programming now versus when you started because quite a lot has changed as far as you know engines go you know people have created way more flexible things and you know they build off of like some of the early like even like demo coders and people like that who make those kinds of crazy things happen with computers 
I guess, what have you, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in that sort of space? Oh, uh, 3D scanners, 3D printers, and uh, virtual reality. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying as far as like the way that you actually program them and how they actually work. Um, oh, I, don't, I don't know how people Unity. did that before. Yeah, I mean, like, Unity. Like Unity now, but before that, I mean, I don't know how long you've been, I, I don't know when Unity became as popular as it is. Oh, Unity's early on the scene or fairly early. Uh, well, late, I guess. Uh, yeah, it came out in like, I remember when that came out, like that was like in the mid 2000s. For me, it was just a struggle trying to learn proper you know, C++ architecture. Yeah. Making so many different components working together at the same time. It's... Yeah. That was quite a bit. Um, you know, did you ever program any games yourself or any demos? Uh, he never to completion. Usually I get it halfway done. I'm like, all right, I'm going to make something better now. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's definitely a struggle. Just a bunch of uh, endless, endless project folders. Oh yeah, you have no clue. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. That's really cool. Does anybody else in the chat here have any questions for uh, Positinger before we wrap up? Yes. So I guess, um, yeah. Um, do you have any else, anything else to add? I guess to our conversation here that we didn't get to cover. Uh, not off the top of my head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's your best advice for uh, for kids that are playing around with the same stuff that you're playing around with? Um, so, like, if you could tell yourself ten years ago some advice, what would you what would you give? It? Uh, don't get caught. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that needs to be a tagline, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess do you have anything else you want to plug or anything you've been working on in particular that you'd want to just share real quick? Any repos or people you want to shout out? Um. I have been working on a company with uh, Chronic, the dude uh, who started Chronic Dev Team, called mm -hmm. Pseudo Security Group. He's uh, working on some iPhone protection stuff now. Cool. That's Will? Yeah, Will. Yeah, right on. So check that out. Yeah, hell yeah. We'll post link on, uh, in the after show. Oh yes, please. This has been so cool, man. Thanks for hanging out. Like, um, this has been really fun. Like, wow. uh, especially if you you have more projects that you're working on and stuff, feel free to come back and like share with us because this is eye opening. Like, you got some cool stuff that you work on. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. I just want my <laughs> CASSP, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we will we will ship one. So we're shipping them out, uh, as we said at the beginning of the show. Anybody here who uh, didn't hear this, we are going to be shipping out CLSSP certs 
at the end of or at the beginning of next month. Um, we're still getting all the Patreon people, and we got a lot of Patreon people, which is pretty cool. Um, we also are doing our two dollar Patreon supporters uh, as well. Um, so if you are interested in supporting us um, for two dollars a month, you totally can, and you will get a virtual CLSSP, which is still valid. You have to print it out at home, and it won't have all the bells and whistles, but it'll still be valid to the governing body of the CLSSP. So yeah. Um, thanks everybody for joining us. We have quite a bit of people to name here for our Patreon. Um, uh, Anthony, uh, DVD Freytag, uh, Hamburger Keyboard, that's their name, <laughs> Harmony, uh, Mayur, uh, Nolan Berry, uh, Noel Cookies, Rob Poners, Sterling Archer, Talon, and so thanks all of you guys for, for wow, pledging your support for us. And yeah, um, thanks to everybody who is going to be doing it in the future. Uh, please go to our uh, page here. I'll put it on here for the CTF. I do want to have a meeting this weekend, um, probably just for like a half an hour or so in voice. So hold on. Weekend.in. Weekendhack.in is our CTF um, marathon homepage. Um, so check that out. And you can join our Discord at elite.club is the name of our new uh, Discord link. Awesome. So yeah, anybody who wants to come and chat and join our CTF marathon, you totally can. And just ping us for more info about it and we'll follow up with everybody on Saturday. Awesome. Yeah. Does anybody have any last words before we sign off? Act the planet. <laughs> ah, that's brilliant. <laughs> so oh, yeah. good lore. That's the park up, get a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.